Uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome to our fourth, fifth episode of um, Imposter Syndrome. We have Rami Nazim, Mo, Shiroz, and Nolan. How's everyone doing? Good, brother. Good. Amazing. Awesome. Alive so far. Guys, we, the four, the five of us, five of us, six of us, five of us have not talked um, collectively in a long while. There's a lot to cover, a lot of stuff, a lot of shit oh, has man. gone down in the last two weeks. <laughs> before, yeah, for real. Before we, we, we get into that, Rami, do you want to speak about our sponsors? Oh, yeah. Today's podcast is sponsored in part by DM, DM the app. Uh, if you ever need, you know, whether you need home cleaning, moving help, uh, you know, snow removal, uh, the DM app allows you to do it in just a few clicks with your phone. Uh, and if you use gift code imposter syndrome, you will get $10 off your next order. Wonderful. Wonderful. By the way, <laughs> happy Valentine's everyone. Happy Valentine's. I have uh, four of you guys. I'll tell you, you know, the podcast is sad. We, we were all available. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I, I saw I saw Rami's um, Rami and his wife's uh, Instagram. So I know you guys had a <laughs> yeah. I did my I already did my due diligence. I did what I had to do. Mashallah, alhamdulillah. What about the, the rest <laughs> of you guys? How how's your day been? Um, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, it's been all right. I was just spending my time with my family. The family or family? <laughs> no, no, just the family. Family. Yo, Marshall, That's about it. Good kid. Good kid. What about you, Mo? Uh, not much, man. It's just like spending time with family, and I'm kind of trying to learn Python now. So hey, I was... yo, no, oh, no, no way. I don't want to hear this this boring stuff. <laughs> How I mean, should I say, Mo, aka it's complicated. How was your Valentine's? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it was quite complicated. Still, still very complicated, huh? Um, actually, Rami's been uh, learning Python as well. Really? Didn't you make uh, the script? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a little bit. That's more like it's more like uh, those bots. You know those social media bots that automatically like and comment oh, yeah, yeah. on people's pictures. Like, I was building one of those. Really, when I say building, I mean somebody built it, but you can go in and edit it. <laughs> <clears throat> mm, nice. And how about you, Nolan? How's uh? How's your day been? Just a uh, low, low key Sunday, you know. Oh, low key Sunday. That's, that's, uh, you said a lot without saying. Anything <laughs> <else>. <laughs> Nolan, where have you been, man? Like, both Nolan and Mo have been MIA. I don't think I've really talked to either one of them in in weeks. Um, ever uh, since the GameStop thing, like I thought, I don't know, <laughs> you guys committed Sudoku. Like, what's uh, yeah, paper hands or diamond hands? What's going on? Oh man. Um. In terms of like, yeah, in terms of that whole thing, so I haven't been involved with like the equity side in like a really long time. Mm. Um, because I've I've gone through this whole thing like some years ago with like. I mean, similar similar things happened like years ago that um, obviously didn't catch national attention and stuff. So, but mm. I, I've kind of seen this process play out. So, I mean, I, I really like watching it and I follow it for sure. But um, <laughs> on the equity side, um, 
I leave it to Shiro's man. He's he's more uh, he's more really depth. yeah man uh, on the sure? like on stocks like he's he's great. Yeah, he's been on fire. Shiro, I, everything that Shiro's has recommended, I buy has been one of my most uh, profitable, lucrative, lucrative. Yeah. Oh, well, so wait, yeah, so then, he, Nolan, what do you do? Are you like a crypto guy, a forex guy? No, no. I mean, have I done forex? Like, yeah, like like two years ago, mm-hmm. like I, I was really into forex. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right now, it's it's all uh, futures. Okay, uh, so see, now you're already, you're already talking beyond my language. I gotta yeah. look at that. I, I've, you, you actually need to go into this basics. I've seen futures so many times, especially on um, crypto exchanges, and I don't have no freaking clue what on earth future, futures are. I mean, the, the great thing about futures that doesn't have the BS of, of equities is it's a centralized exchange, right? So you can see all the transactions actually happening. There's no like dark oh, wow. money pools like you know and like random orders being like it's it's all there and it's all like regulated right so um you can't pull as much funny business like with gamestop and all this kind of stuff right interesting yeah and you can do that you can buy and sell futures as well you're saying yeah for sure it's just that the the barrier to entry is 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 high because like the margins are high so it you don't get like Rarely do you get like the college kids who are like putting in all like, cause you need it. Like, I mean, a lot of places have overnight margins of like at least 10,000 or 20,000 like for different contracts, right. Based on liquidity. Gotcha. So, so you gotta like, you either gotta get funded by like, I mean, if you're not going to put up the capital, like immediately you have to get it funded from someone and, and start like that. Interesting. Or, yeah. yeah. Now you see, you mentioned contracts. Are they anything like options, futures, or what, what are they? Different? Um. Well, no options. Option. I mean, you can you can buy options on futures, but um, hmm. uh, a futures contract is basically like it's basically like going back like two hundred years ago, right? You hmm. you have a contract to buy, you know, said barrels of of oil or something or or sugar, right? Oh, okay. Right. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not trading actual, I'm not doing actual commodities. It's just, uh, I'm doing the indexes. So they have a contract for like the S&P 500. They have a contract for the, for the NASDAQ, right? Yeah. And the financial market's honestly a B size. I honestly, I'm so shocked this is real. Yeah. I just, I heard words that I have heard before. And Me too. I always hear it on like 680 news, you know, like, and the Dow futures are up 20%. Yeah, years. So what the yeah, hell are yeah that's about? the stuff I'm into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's no one's advanced. So when, when the rest of us are, the rest of us peasants are talking about GameStop. And yeah, this guy like, must have been in his head role. That's why he didn't join the podcast for like three weeks, bro. Yeah, no one's like, these kids, I, I, I can't <laughs> deal with these. Two. It's like Hello. when, um, when, when you know, your nieces and nephews will ask you how to do um simple mathematics and you're like oh my gosh these dumbass kids how do they, how do they not know how <laughs> like do... he's already at the quantum level <laughs> no 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 not not anywhere no man no i'm, I'm, a, I'm a simple i'm a simple person man <laughs> the, the thing about gamestop though that i was interested in was like the just the dynamics like the power dynamics behind it right i was really for like i i, I was like that guy who like really wanted to like you know punch a hole and like uh <laughs> the quote-unquote financial establishment right we the people yeah the story was great 
Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was just... definitely that that uh, the power the the powerful versus the weak, the one percenters versus the rest. It had that kind of uh, archetype to that story. It was one of those uh, too good to be true kind of situation, and I think that is really what caught everyone's eye. At some point, I started reading people were buying a single stock just to mess with um, the hedge funds. They didn't even care if they lost. For sure, for sure. It's just, yeah. you know, there was a lot of messy business that ended up with the whole situation, right? Like how it ended. Yeah, that's yeah. unfortunate. It's, it's, uh, it's frustrating, fortunate. Now you said ended. Are you... Are you uh, bro, it's done, bro. It's done? Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I'd love to, like, I'd love to give hope here, but... Um, yeah. It uh, it ended the day that they started restricted trading. Mm. That, that that was the day. I mean, obviously, you still had like positive headlines and stuff for a few days after that. But the day they started kind of restricting trading, you knew something was up. I agree. Because like I was actually uh, swing trading GameStop and AMC. So I used to like buy after hours and then sell a pre-market. That's how I usually stayed safe with this. But... You know, when the euphoria ends, it's a big sign that it's not going to come back to the levels it was before. Because it was yeah. all a massive pool of euphoria that was happening. Mm-hmm. I hear it was you. definitely the story of the year. But Well, so far. Well, look, I hear you. And, and, and I think that is uh, genuinely the uh, expert sentiments. But what I don't, I don't understand is if, if it truly is over, why is it floating around that 50 to $60 uh, range? Consistent? Well, what's the volume? What's the it's, volume? It's Maybe the people interest, are Usher. It's, it's like everyone now knows about it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a month ago, I wasn't going to be like, what's GameStop at? Right? Mm-hmm. At all. Absolutely. I mean, I check it kind of daily now, even though I don't have any positions in it. Just to, you know, there's interest in it. Mm. That, that's why it's still there. Um, but it could it could easily just fall down to like four bucks, like if it wanted, right? Like, mm. I'm not saying it will, but it it could easily do that. Yeah, it's also so- pretty decent for traders because it still every day has so many hills. That's it. And once the volume, with the volume still there, it's it's a tradable asset. But um, is it an investable asset? Right. That there's a. Difference. Yeah, I don't think it's an investment. I think it's more for a trading. I don't think anyone like is invest other than Roaring Kitty. Um, <laughs> who that may guy's have actually sold really it. smart. May, I, I've been watching his videos. It. He's really smart. No, the, yeah. he he may actually have sold it uh, about a week and a half ago. He did post saying, "I'm not going to have any more updates for the next little bit." It could just be because he's been called. Um, by the SEC, yeah, to to speak, or it may just be because he realizes, like, look, he's gonna sell, and he doesn't want to be the center of another uh, kind of uh, sensational news. Where for sure, I'm just about all the backlash. Yeah, um, the moment he says as he sold, it's it's game over. Like that 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 is absolutely when it's done. You're not you're not gonna climb out of it, and I think he realizes that he's. He's unfortunately, I think he's stuck. He um, cannot announce that he sold his position without causing a massive crash on potentially massive crash. I think that's a safe assumption to make. So, uh, just a question: how, how many like how many shares did this guy uh, buy? Like, I've he, heard of him oh and stuff. man, 
what was it? I, I don't know the number, but he, at one point he was at what, 11 million. Even when it was down, he was still up 11 million. How many shares? It was like 50,000 shares. I'm checking because he also had he also had a call option for April. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had, oh, he had a call option? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's where most of his money was from, actually. Strike price. Um, okay. So he had, okay, I found it. He has 50,000 shares and 500 call options. Holy What's shit. the strike price of the option? Uh, 12. So he was like deep in the money. Oh, he's still good, dude. Wow. What the hell? Yeah, he's, he's great. That's, a, what that's the hell? wonderful. I think at one point he peaked at $55 million, of which 13 million he's already cashed out. So you have to remember, even if he plays a long game and he never makes any more money out of the stock, he's still cashed out $13 million. So I watched his video. He has a video about his strategy, and he basically um and these these are old videos, but mm-hmm. he he considers himself a deep value investor, whatever that means. He's like, I, you know, I borrow ideas from traders and I borrow ideas from like value investors. He's like, they both think they're geniuses, but there's, you know, good things from both. Um, and like, and he gives like his criteria for what he looks for. He's like, I got to make sure ownership owns at least 20% of the stock. And basically he's like, I'm looking and maybe Nolan, can you tell me what it means when someone says I'm looking for two baggers, three baggers or four baggers? What does that mean? Um, for or Charose. Me. What does that mean? I, I think it means like doubling, tripling and... That's what I was thinking too. Right. I was that's... thinking it means like 200%, 300%, 400%. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's what it means. That was my assumption. And basically like, that's what I'm looking for. And I plan, and he basically holds for three to 24 months. He's like, that's my range. Hmm. So it was, He's I don't think to hold GameStop, GameStop for between three and 24 months. No, no. This was his strategy in general with all stock that he does. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, man, that was the depth of the story. I think it's done. I think the squeeze has been closed. And it's, it wasn't an unfortunate story. A lot of people made a lot of money when it hit that. Sure. You know, people who didn't. There's that saying that people say on, uh, at least on TikTok, these day traders are like, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And basically, it's basically saying if you don't pull out at the right time, you know, and you just get greedy, you'll uh, you'll get slaughtered. And I think that happened Another for one a lot that of... I like is uh, <laughs> you buy the rumor, you sell the news. Yeah. That's uh... it. That, that's everything. That's all Damn. stocks, man. That's no. What you just said is is like the stock market, man. That that's exactly it. <clears throat> so really? he, he, here's here's why I, um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sold on the fact that GameStop is dead. You know, I I and, and here's why. <clears throat> Rami and I spoke about GameStop uh, last week when we spoke on the podcast, and I think people have a rough idea of what actually happened. What why I don't think it's completely done is the fabricate the fabrication that was basically uh, the surrounding the entire story out of nowhere. So restriction, I agree, really messed up the momentum. But for me, the the thing that really killed everything was silver. On Friday, silver out of nowhere before closing. Um, out of nowhere, there's this news that it's being shorted heavily. By the weekend, silver is not available to buy anywhere. And media starts, the entire week, the media keeps reporting how the next shorter, the next thing on that Reddit is on is silver. And anyone that browses Wall Street bets knows they were they kept posting like there's something so nefarious about that i'm sorry like there was something so nefarious about that silver pump like 
Yeah. There's no, no, what the hell was that? It, there's no rationale behind it. I'm sorry. Like, you can short squeeze um, low float, um, low market cap companies. Absolutely. You can't okay, short yeah. squeeze an actual material with supply. Like, what are you trying to do? Exactly. The exactly. metals market is, is one of the most manipulated markets for the last hundred years. And you think you're going to short <laughs> squeeze people that it, it makes no sense. Like, there's literally no sense to it. I, I don't know where and what theory they came up with it. And I, and I don't think it's the majority of Wall Street betters. I think it was like. It wasn't. It was no <laughs> one on the Wall Street on that, that Monday on Wall Street bet. People started posting saying, look. Do not do not invest in silver. We are not we are not saying it. What actually happened? So, <clears throat> for people that that aren't aware of Reddit's history, for some of us, um, I think I think Cheryl's included. We've been on Reddit for um, almost a decade now, right? I agree. Yeah. And yeah. I've seen Reddit transform from this kind of wild west, but like plethora of different kind of viewpoints and ideas to the front um, um, the front page of Reddit becoming just a cesspool, a cesspool of bots. So Reddit generally, in my opinion, these big subreddits like World News, anything to do with politics, it's filled with bots. Wall Street Bets grew up, I think they're about at 9 million subscribers. Overnight, they blew up and bots started pl- the, the, out of nowhere, there's bots coming up. There's all these posters that are that haven't really posted accounts that have, have just recently been made or accounts that haven't been active. And you can kind of assume that okay, some of them are people that weren't really using Reddit for a while, and just because of this whole GameStop uh, situation, they came into, uh, they came back onto the uh, uh, to the website to post. But generally, there were a lot of Wall Street, especially veteran Wall Street users, that were saying, look. We don't know what's going on. The mods need to uh, really, you know, do something about the situation. There's bots that are posting uh, bullshit um, kind of uh, posts trying to sway people. Uh, most of the veteran uh, users are saying that we are not, um, we're not suggesting uh, to, to invest in silver. Most of them started posting that, look, it is retarded to even say you can short silver. Yet the media kept insisting that it is the next Reddit um, stock to buy. And this is where I think that manipulation runs really deep. You know, um, rich help the rich. And it was clear evidence of, of how much the media will go and buy or will do for money. I don't, I don't understand uh, what the uh, deal could have been, but it's pretty safe to assume. Again, it's still speculation, but one and one is two. Reddit is saying that do not, po- do not uh, buy this stock. Media keeps saying this is the stock that Reddit wants you to buy. And there's confusion in the air. Money gets flown into silver and um, the momentum on GameStop just stops over the weekend. Yes, that restrictions and crap was going on, but as Robinhood started increasing the restriction, the volume increased, um, buying happened. So that's number one. The second thing, and this is where I don't know how to get my hands on the level two data, but um, a lot of people began posting the, the buy and sell 
data. And they started pointing out like, look at these orders that are being bought and sold that week. It's, these are odd, weird ways, these weird numbers. So they saw an influx of 50 shares, 100 shares, 150 shares, 200 shares, these very even kind of numbers that you typically don't see, or according to them, you typically typically don't see. And you guys can, uh, I don't really know much about this. So I'm going off of what they were writing, but you guys can chime in. But these, they suggested, look, they believe that it's being it's being artificially brought down. Yes, a lot of them, a lot of people sold out of fear. There's two type of people: people that either uh, took their profits or sold to minimize their losses, um, and the rest are holding because either they believe in GameStop or they're they're at a point where it doesn't even. We've lost seventy percent of our of our value. It, it's, it's, it's all or nothing at this point. So there's no point in trying to recover the losses. We're going to stick and hold. And so during that, that week, after the people that needed to, were going to sell have sold, you started seeing odd volumes, volumes that did not at all suggest that there is a panic sell yet that the, yet the price started plummeting. And then the, 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 sh- the orders that were coming in were such weird orders 50 100 and 150 and in simple kind of language what they said was typically people don't buy shares like that and people will buy a thousand dollars worth of shares or fifteen hundred dollars worth of shares or ten thousand dollars worth of shares but it's very unusual to see an influx of just 50 100 150 200 these like um, how do you how do you say it? these these um, kind of uh, too even too kind of clean number of orders and that's that's where why I think um, the story isn't completely over yet. I don't think we're we're ever gonna get to that whole to the moon and hundred forty percent stock, but I I still think the story itself is not over yet. I think there's still shit that's gonna go down. And it probably will go down, go down as this SEC investigation goes goes on. And there are going to be, if, if they don't do the right thing, there's going to be too much backlash from the general population. Thank you for sharing. Um, I was going to add, um, I think you might see like a small resurgence if GameStop decides to post like positive news or positive guidance on their next earnings. So if they made money, I think uh, they can re-recoup some of that that hype back in. So we might see it go back to like eighty or ninety. Yeah, that's a good point. They they just hired uh, one of the previous uh, um, heads of AWS. And he, I think one. Member oh, that Ryan like, something. What's the name? Ryan Cohen. Ryan Cohen, I think. Yeah, is it him? I don't know if he's the he's the AWS guy or is he's the CEO, but. Definitely, he's also one of the people. One thing that's crazy about GameStop, like I would never have thought, and it has nothing to do with the stock. I really don't know anything about why it is the price it is. But they made $6 billion in 2019. Like, I did not think they even made a billion dollars. I'm pretty shocked. I mean, that's why this whole movement started, because it was so heavily shorted, even though they were making money. It was like being but suppressed dude, a to a level. Bill, $6 billion? Like, what the hell? That's a, that's a freaking crazy company, you know? But their net income was negative, so I don't know what that. I'm assuming that means there's oh, take losses. Fine. A lot of people are still burning money because they're putting it to R and D. Yeah, but, like I mean, Uber. 
Uber, I think. Like uh, Uber, I mean, you know, Amazon makes money, but they don't money. make a dollar. Yeah. Most tech stocks aren't making a. Um, but like, is GameStop really a tech stock? They're more like a retail chain. It's kind of weird for them to be cash flow negative, no? No, they hired like some previous e-commerce guy. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the old uh, co-founder of, of Chewy, that that pet oh, company. Yes, you're right. Yes, you're, so right, you're really, right. You're right. You're right. That's what it is. Yep. So yeah. they're really trying to make an online push. So it should help. Think, so, yeah. 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 I think Asher brought up a, a really a really good point when he's like, um, it's hard to it's hard to track the the level two the level two data you were saying about the shares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the whole that's the whole problem with these things is that um with with stocks you have what's like a two-day or three-day settlement period so you 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 never get up to date like actual numbers that are legitimate and you see all these numbers floating around like on reddit or Mm -hmm. that aren't actually you, you can't really pull facts out of it because um these some of these numbers are completely hypothetical and they're projected numbers and it's not it's not like it doesn't come from a centralized like there's nothing centralized about it and the fact that it was so heavily shorted like 140% short percent yeah right you i don't know if you guys are familiar with the term like naked shorting and um, uh, yeah i've heard that term but i don't know what it means yeah so essentially when you borrow um to, to short a stock, you have to actually borrow the stock Correct. to short it, right? You pay interest, right? I don't know if it's daily exactly, or but I know right. you pay interest. Yeah, That's okay. exactly it, right? But with the naked short, you're not actually borrowing, <laughs> pouring the stock. You, you don't even actually have the stock, but you're Wait, shorting what? it. So there's, it, it's kind of a complicated thing to explain, but you, you don't <laughs> essentially, yeah, you're not borrowing it, but you're okay. shorting it. So you have unlimited levels of risk in terms so of float is the same though float is so meaning those shares the outstanding are still the same like or yeah float but like the number of shares in possession doesn't change even if they're shorting that much huh well but that's how you that's exactly how you got to 140 percent because there are all these people that don't actually have shares that are short mm. so strange yeah but, that seems how is that even what the hell how does that work so, how's so it legal when it is actually illegal. Technically, it's illegal. Um, they made naked shorting like illegal. I think like ten years ago. Like I'm pretty sure it was after oh, the financial that? crisis. But yeah. it can still go on, and it's hard to catch because <laughs> it, it, it's it's hard to trace. Like, what are you tracing a share that doesn't actually exist? Like, well, what's going on here, right? So why is level two data like? What, my question about this whole like you mentioned it's not centralized. So you're telling me the TSX, the all these exchanges, like why don't they just provide real time data? Like why is it gated by a paywall for the world? Is there a reason? I I um, think if if I understand it correctly, what's what's normally happening, and this is this is this is how Robinhood kind of defended itself. Um, like uh, Nolan suggested, these transactions don't actually get completed until two to three business days. So what's happening is these brokers. Oh, that's what he meant. Okay. Yeah. So so the transactions don't actually complete until a few days after you've actually traded the actual stock. But in the meanwhile, your brokerage is working with. Um, I forget what the term is for 
the thing the next level after but uh the clearing house the clearing yeah house, the clearing like, house yeah the clearing house is basically saying um we are gonna take um there's the risk here of the transaction and therefore they they will be allow the release of um the funds funds yeah so when you are getting your money it's uh, they, they are giving the money out and they they they're telling the cpp and i forget what it stands for um so when we're buying shares and selling shares the, we're basically giving quest trader robin hoods like they have all these contracts to fulfill and it takes about two days for them to fulfill it, it takes two days for the, the, the actual money transfer to uh happen and this is actually why a lot of people after gamestop were talking about why cryptocurrency specifically things like stable coin and ethereum are the future because a lot of what's going on right now like it's think about how insane this idea is and i had no idea and i still don't really understand how it works but to me the fact that you have algorithms you have computers that are trading real time faster than you can blink an eye and yet it doesn't actually execute for two days after so you have this layer that is insanely advanced yet the backend infrastructure is so out of date so i part of part of the thing that happened in gamestop exposed how flawed this backend system is of how these things kind of execute so i'm assuming that's that may be why some of this data um is outdated though the data like volume and things that are happening i think they're pretty much up to date they're not like few days old uh when you're seeing it in level two yeah your your current trading volume is relatively uh, i mean it's not accurate to the point but it's relatively um, it's close enough yeah exactly, exactly. You, so i think the only there's two points in a month i think on the equity side um that are important and that's when the brokerages um like the people like um the big the big institute like citadel and the, the okay yeah yeah right they have to report um legally by american law um twice a month they have to report the short interest in the holdings that they have so i think uh yeah this past tuesday uh they had one for gamestop i believe right and it showed a majority of of the big guys holding short had left, right? Oh, so the, the so technically the squeeze could have been closed then, in a sense. Yeah, but this only you only get the actual like the actual like legal real numbers twice twice a month. Ah. Uh, Where they have to disclose, like the real numbers like of short interest. It, it, that's the thing. It, you only get like the real numbers twice a month, like for retail traders. I mean. Yeah, I got you. Right? So everything so, else is just like an inter interpretation of like what the yeah, is? Yeah, oh. pretty much. Like, but uh, it's not to say that everyone doesn't know the real data. I mean, C Citadel and like large, like large groups like that know. Um, exactly what's up. Um, pretty much, again, not exactly, but pretty much what's going on. Hmm. Um, but anyone other, anyone not inside that sphere does not know at all what is trending what's not well that that's what's that's what's so unfair about how this works and genuinely i uh did not really um you know I, I, 
I wouldn't say things like, oh, the rich have an obscene amount of advantages and stuff because, you know, with the way the system is generally, um, you can make a, um, a shitload of money. But with when it comes to investment and stocks in general, the amount of disproportion there there is in, in between the people that have the money and the people that don't is ridiculous. People that have the money, what they say can cause the uh, cause the market to move the way they want. Their money alone can cause the market to move alone uh, if they want. We've seen them band together and you know help each other out with the whole GameStop thing. And then now you're telling me they have this basically inside data, which without it calling it being called insider data, they have access to potentially have access to data that the, the rest of the market does not. And this is what really pisses me off about this entire situation. It's unfortunate that well, nothing's, nothing's probably going to happen from this. You know, probably Nothing. we're going to be upset about it. SEC is going to say some bullshit and then uh, there's going to be a new spicy news that comes out. But doesn't well, companies like Citadel, they provide a service? Like in this, is the reason they have data is because they are facilitating these you kind of like they get it because they're doing something. I was going to say, uh, so again, uh, this knowledge is coming from TikTok videos I've been watching, but uh, <laughs> this guy who has Asperger's, um, he's very famous on TikTok. Oh, a... Why Why did you have to emphasize? <laughs> uh, he, he brings it up. He brings it because he's very strange, like on his uh, TikTok, <laughs> like the way he stares at the camera and stuff. Yeah, but, people are uh, going to think you're, you're just that weird guy that just... Uh... By the way, he has Asperger's. Like, why is that? Really- it's just like he, if you watch his videos, you'll wonder. Like he talks very like, robotic, and his eyes—he never blinks. Um, oh. And he one day he addresses it. He's like, "I have Asperger's." But anyways, he said that you know there's a few signs of you know market crashes, blah blah blah. And he's like, one of the major signs is when retail investing is very popular, and you basically have a, a like just huge influx of retail investors in the market. I don't know why that would cause a crash, but what that has to do with crashes. But he says that that's the thing. And uh, is that true? Like, what is the involvement of more retail investors have to do with the markets? You know, I mean, I might have to agree because it's happened mm-hmm. a lot of times. One that a huge weed bubble back in 2017. Yes. Um, where a bunch of retail investors, they dumped their life savings into weed. And then two weeks later, it starts crashing. <laughs> what happened was big money. They always win. They always cash out when everything's like super high. And they go so- up to the next day. So some of the reasoning behind that is in order to move prices um, and you're a large player, you need liquidity to move prices. And you don't get liquidity up until the retail guys come in with all their little shares, their five, you know, their five Mm. shares that they buy. And all these shares can be accumulated to to move the market, right? When there's no interest in something, it's hard to move um, without causing... um, large price variation so you need to accumulate all this liquidity from retail investors to move the market right so these guys grind so they grind up the market right slowly and it goes up 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 to a certain point and retail gets involved they see it oh it's like whoa over the past year it's gone up this much and then let's get yeah it's fomo into it exactly they fomo into it and then 
And then this is where the volume comes in for these guys to then unload their positions because all these new shares are coming in that they can get rid of. And 99% of the time, retail holds the bag, right? <laughs> and uh, and that, that's, 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 exact, that's how the market is designed to kind of move. You need liquidity to, to, to move the price. So that one, that one is fair enough. It's un- that one makes sense. <clears throat> it's the influence that really bothers me. So do you guys remember um, that billionaire Bill, um, what the hell is his name? Bill Ackman? Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. man. Yeah. So for, for, I, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> okay. So Nolan, uh, could you explain um, what happened with the, with his interview? Uh, so are you, are you talking about like the 2017, the, the, the 2017 thing? No, 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 I don't even know about that. I'm, I'm talking about, so essentially what happened, uh, when COVID happened was this guy. Oh, the hotels. Yeah. The hotel positioning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, as far as I know with the hotels, um, Ackman was a huge, um, he put on a huge act on CNBC, right. Which is, um which is a major financial uh, broadcaster and a lot of retail watches it. Most people in general watch it. And he, he basically goes on there. He he has a big name. Um, I mean, he is a billionaire. He's, he's made a lot of money in the markets through nefarious ways. I don't want to get sued for this, but through nefarious (laughs) ways. (laughs) Yeah. And just, just to add on, he's also a hedge. He made his money from hedge funds. So yeah. Hedge funds, but doing, you know, um, wishy-washy yes. things with hedge funds, right? Exactly. Go on. I wouldn't say morally upstanding, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and essentially he, he goes on these networks and he's like, everything's coming to an end. You know, this was a great bull market, but it's all over. The darkest days are ahead. <laughs> and he says this all while holding huge short positions. Of course. And, um, <laughs> in uh, major hotel chains, I think Sheridan was one of them. And, and just, just looking at it from like an outside perspective, it's like the conflict of interest and, and all these types of things is, is absolutely huge. And he just goes on like day after day, whoever talks, like it wasn't just CNBC, whoever would give him the light of day, he'd go on and he'd just bash hotels about negativity complete negativity unjustifiable negativity in fact yeah he was the one that also suggested um that elon musk should uh convert all his tesla production facilities to start making ventilators he was he was going wild with his uh, oh it was messed up up, but in the end i mean he he profited off it right so that's thing is it illegal is my question I think I think it it the it tech anyone else if anyone else did it, it would have been considered. Uh, no, the the reason I I say that is like you know how we say like these guys of influence they could like Elon Musk pulls the emoji of a dog and dodge goes up like three thousand percent. Yeah, but, but like that that's that's deniability there. Elon Musk is not explicitly saying the 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 dog coin or Bitcoin is gonna go up. He, he through his action, the market may be influenced. This man went straight up said that these are gonna crash, right? And then he held short positions. But I guess he could argue, yeah, the reason I was holding short positions is because I believed it was gonna crash. And I was simply sharing 
my you know my uh, Fair enough, uh insight i'm just saying that the retail investors gamestop one thing it taught me is like now with the power of the internet even retail investors can um change the narrative of of companies and and cause these things in the market to go up and down in yeah, weird ways yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that is exactly why now there are all these talks about regulations and things that need to be yeah. done all of a sudden the power is no longer solely on uh in their hands and by they it's just loose term but um you know who the hell would care if some dude uh, on the internet posted something about gamestop before no one did right whereas these hedge funds these um these uh companies or, or even just look at warren buffett his remember part of the, the 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 crash earlier last year was we are not gonna invest we have a lot of cash in our hands this is the most cash that this uh, uh berkshire and hathaway has ever had and they're not investing why is so anything they do but at least with warren buffett he's not explicitly going there and, and intentionally we can you can you can claim that intentionally he's not going there to disrupt the market it's just because of the nature of his his name, anything that he do, any anything that he does, will in turn affect the market. Whereas this man went with an clear intent. Correct. Yeah. Which was to sway. No, I'm I'm not defending the guy. I'm 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 really just talking about like legal people. Yeah, like yeah, like it's not illegal. It's basically shade. It, it, it's it's in poor taste. It's you okay, know whether but, it's it's legal yeah. right now or not. What are, what is what do you guys think? Should it be illegal or reviewed or something? I, I, this is what I think. If the right way to do that, if there was like a law in place, would be like, hi, my name is Bill Ackman. Before I get let you know, you know, my sentiments about this opinion, I want to let you guys know, legally, I'm going to have to tell you, I do have short positions in this thing. Beautiful. Full disclosure. Yes. I agree completely. Exactly. Yeah. Same. That's actually- and people do that with like, um, you know, like, you know, like if you're sponsoring a product, like sometimes Rogan, when he's talking about a product, they're like, by the way, they are a sponsor, you know, stuff like that. Like you yeah. have to disclose it and then give your opinion. I think maybe that's a reasonable. You reason. actually see that on Reddit. So on Wall Street Vets, when people are posting, I don't know how long this has existed, but definitely now, definitely during GameStop, when people are posting, they would say, blah, 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 blah. This is my analysis. And here are my positions. They should do that on Yahoo Finance, bro. They should make it so when you post a comment, <laughs> it tells you how many shares you own or not own or whatever the Yahoo hell you're Finance thinking. is honest. Bro, I've been honest. manipulating Yahoo Finance. Me and Ashar. We've been <laughs> manipulating the conversation. What? Bro. How? <laughs> what? Bro, you just go on. You just say, you, just say um, you know, Monday's market, given the numbers that I'm seeing, my own DD. Yeah, you, you guys do your own due diligence. This is all you have to write. You have to do your own DD. Don't take my advice. But from what I'm seeing, the numbers I've seen, I think this is a great pick. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was like an active comment section. In Yo, the there is. You know how yes, I know? Because yes, yes. me and Ashar have been basically, so basically Ashar and I, um, we had this Excel document where we said, okay, if you put $5,000 in the market and every day you just look for something to go up 1% and you sell and don't be, be greedy. As soon as it hits 1%, you sell. And if you do that every day, what would that be at the, at the end of the year? And the number was $97,000. So that's how much you'd make if you just put five grand in, make a percent sell. And then every day you just put go all in and sell at 1%. Now, but you have to is, assume it goes up 1% that day. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's unreasonable for anyone to actually, I mean, 
like Warren Buffett is praised because he gets what 22% compound. He beats the market. You know, the S&P maybe moves whatever percent and he's beating it. But so who actually gets 1% a day? It's, I, it almost sounds impossible. But the point was the logic for us there was, okay, one, the real surprise to me is that, wow, 1% is actually not insignificant. It could be significant over time, right? Correct. So what we did was we, <laughs> we opened a margin account and basically, um, we just picked like we went on stocks that had high volume that were trending that whatever that we, we saw a lot of volatility like moving up and down a lot throughout the day but had a good you know support line yeah. and we just went in and as soon as it went up a few cents and at that and we thought one percent was going to be uh difficult but these things because they were like penny stocks in a sense so like 50 cents them going from 50 cents to 54 cents was like what like seven percent some whatever it was, it was more than one percent yeah. So we'd buy and then sell and buy and sell. And it would just be, and it was working. We actually ended the week. We ended with what? A few hundred bucks. Yeah. I think I ended the week with uh, uh, just under $300. Whereas you ended the week could just over $300. Wow. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. So, and uh, it was just interesting to see how, and I have no idea. Look, I didn't do a due diligence on these companies that all I literally did is I see, I, we were looking at charts that had a lot of like, like hills, like I don't know how you, I don't even know the technical term, but you, you'd see it's like fifty cents, then it goes fifty-four cents, goes back to fifty cents, goes back to fifty-four, and it would in do that for trend. like three days. Yeah, so you're yeah. seeing that happening for a few days, and like in my brain, I was like, okay, what are the like? It's been sitting at this range for the last three days. Let's just buy in again when we see it hit that that downside of the hill, and we'll just sell. We'll just put a sell order up to three cents <laughs> higher, and it was and it worked for the week. Yeah. And if, Dude, that's in fact, awesome. I, we got lucky or I got lucky. So there's one stock called Vision Lithium. So I don't know if you guys know, Lithium is really popular right now because of- oh, is, it, is it a VISL by any chance or something VLI. else? VLI. VLI.V. Okay. They, they also have an American version. It has a- company. Right. Right. V, that's a venture company. That's a TSX venture company, right? That's yeah. penny stock. It's fine. Holy no, shit. it's a penny stock. So here's the thing about VLI, okay? VLI.V was like, wait, let me, I'm just opening their six months chart. So okay, let's just put, put it this way. In February fifth, February no, sorry, February fifth, it was sixty cents. No, wait, zero point zero six cents. Okay, just take this in. On February, that was February fifth. On February eleventh, it was seventy six cents. Okay, so it was like literally going insane. So <clears throat> we had this day that it was literally like a cartoon. Like I bought it, we bought it at like fifty nine cents or whatever the hell the number was. It, the moment I bought it, within 20 seconds, it dropped down like crazy, like to 35 cents yeah, or something. Yeah. I got scared. I panicked, sold a shard and not panic. <laughs> so I lost 660 bucks. Okay. Oh, I was crying. Let, 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 let me let me just oh my uh, God. paint a picture of how how cartoonish this was. Yeah. <laughs> see, so one of our plans was look, generally the market cools down and dips around 9:50 to 10 a.m. And that is the period we're looking for. This, and and Prior to that, we were looking at DocVN and we were supposed to buy DocVN. It actually didn't dip and we just went up and it kept going up. So we, we were supposed to buy at 54 and by the end of the week, it was 254 and by the end of the week, it hits $3. So we're like, okay, um, what's going on? So we're already kind of uneasy. We see this the night before, Rami, myself, um, our friend Atik and my brother, we're just looking at these, these number of these stocks. We see... Uh, Doc VN, FLT, and uh, VLI. So in the morning we see it dip, but we're like, okay, let's just let's just take it easy. Let's look at what's going on, <laughs> and it hits an all-time high, and we're like, okay, next dip we we are gonna definitely buy. So it dips down to 
50, 57, 56 cents and Rami and I go click in. And now, mind you, that period that before it, when it hits that amount, it's probably three, four minutes that it stays there. And Rami and I are, I are kind of going back and forth. Should we buy? Should we, should we buy? No. Should we? And then we go, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go. Go for it. The moment we hit it, I shit you not, within that 10 seconds, <laughs> it, it had gone down about 11, 12 cents. And oh, God. I oh, message no. Rami, Rami message, I'm just like, bro, I, I can't. And I now have to hop in a meeting. I'm like, bro, uh, don't even worry about it. We'll, we'll worry about this later. <laughs> During my meeting, I keep getting Rami's messages. Oh, shit, 44 cents, 41 cents. And it's it's like freaking me out. And I, all I'm doing, all I'm hoping is like, this guy shuts up for a bit because he's freaking me out as well. And then it hits 38. And, I'm, and I, all I see is a message, bro, I'm selling. And I'm in a meeting thinking, bro, I don't know if it's a good idea to sell because it's like people are probably going to buy it. I'm trying to reason, but I also am too busy to actually go sell. And I, I get Rami's message. What the frick? It's 42 cents. The moment Rami hits sell, like literally the moment he hits sell, it goes up to 42 cents. And he's like, why did I sell? Why did I sell? Now, this is where his his uh, smarts kick in. Rami actually ends up buying back, but buying back, I think around 50 something, right? It was 48 cents. I bought back at 48, 48 cents. 48 but I lost cents. 60. So right now I'm down $660 and I go back all in with all my remaining money at okay. 48 cents. Yeah. And and so the, the thing that um, helped us was probably our ignorance helped us as well. We were all we were looking at were these, these hills that kept, going on and on and we, we Rami taught me this, about this like resistance line and I was pretty solidly confident that it'll go up so now I set a sell order for 61 cents I'm I'm, I'm thinking it probably won't reach there maybe it'll reach 60 cents but if it reaches 61 I want to be a little greedy I'll go for that morning 9 30 hits the stock reaches 91 cents oh. <laughs> Adam, yo, I was at 48 cents this shit in the morning was like GameStop. It was like, I couldn't even believe my eyes. My wife was beside me after calling me a waste man for losing 650 bucks. She was like, Rami, wow, you made a good choice. I'm like, yeah, I didn't know due diligence. There's no reason why it's doing this, but it's doing it. And I basically, a char makes his money. I hit sell right away. I just sell at market. I couldn't even pick a number. I'm just like, sell at market. It's way higher than I thought. So not only did I make the 660 I lost back, I also made an extra 300 bucks on top. Nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, bro. And obviously, it, this is like an exception to the the norm because most people end up losing money in penny stocks, even if they know what they're doing. Penny stocks are dangerous. So, yeah. Anyone listening, I'm not advocating you should do it. Yeah, we don't even know what we're doing. Literally, I watched two YouTube videos to yeah, make yeah. this decision. Yeah. This is where it gets even wild. So, the thing is, the reason why we were so confident too afterwards is and before when we saw the hills going up and down rami and i were talking to each other saying we should probably buy now but let's just wait we should probably sell now let's just wait and had we done that uh not even at the peaks but had we just done what we were telling each other we should do we probably would have gotten out with an extra four thousand dollars like yeah no problem because those hills were going up and down throughout the day, uh, about ten cents, and ten cents was was like twenty percent. Like it was crazy. No more. I think ten cents at that point was hitting like 40, 50 percent 
uh, fluctuations in, 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 in the price. Cause, um, and so I think we, Rami actually ended up making more money off of VLI. Uh, just yeah, before. I was going to ask you guys, Charles or Nolan, if you guys can answer this question. So I bought, we bought, so we've been doing this for the whole week. Uh, honestly, I became a little bit too obsessed. It was kind of weird, but basically I bought VLI again and I put a, it was at like, I bought it at uh, 59 cents. Okay. Yeah. And I put a sell at 63 cents. So again, I'm just hoping another hill would happen. No hill happened. And in fact, it kept like just sticking between 60 and 59, 16, 59. But all of a sudden I get a notification that, Hey, your thing sold, your position sold at 63. But I don't know how it never, I never saw it once. Even no candlestick showed 63, no graph. I ever like, I don't know. How is that possible that somebody bought my 63 cent call or whatever you call it? Uh, my limit. Did you? It was probably the, the bid ask spread. Maybe it was wide enough that your order got that, filled. It, yeah. That's exactly what it is. If you were saying it was a penny stock. Yeah. So the spread on those things can go insane because a little bit of volume <laughs> can move them you know, a mile. So you were, you, you might've been moving the stock when you sold at 38. <laughs> that might've been you, man. You might've made the bottom. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah. To, to be honest, um, it was fun. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but boy, was it fun. It was, that was fun. Yeah, man. Penny's so freaking fun. I can't believe how influential one cent can be. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Bro, by the way, um, completely off topic, you had mentioned on the group just before starting that you were watching Upload. What did you think? Oh, guys, I highly recommend this show. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called Upload. Uh, it was actually recommended by Ashar. The gist of it is basically it's in the future. It's set in the future, I think, 2033 or something. Um, and the, you know, it's a world with autonomous cars and then, you know, everything's technology. And basically... You're imagine you're at a hospital and you have two options. You can go to the operating room to get a surgery, or if you're like, if you're dire, or you can say, you know what, I'd rather get uploaded. And so what uploaded is, as you can imagine, they upload, they basically, they upload your conscious. You enter this like virtual reality, you could call it. You're dead in real life, but your consciousness now lives on in this um, computer generated simulation. And you have like a support team and you have to pay money. It's expensive. There's cheap companies and there's expensive companies. Obviously the better the company, the better the experience, the frame rate is good. You know, you get a lot more features, blah, 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 blah. And um, that's pretty much the, the gist of the show. So I don't want to give up more than that. But that's pretty much uh, what the show is about. It's this world where people upload their consciousness after they die or before they die. They can upload their consciousness and enter um, a virtual reality. And it's just funny because even in the virtual reality, you're still getting in-app purchases. And there's still like product placement. And it, it's a really... Uh, uh, it's cliche at times, but it, it, it's actually it's actually quite thought provoking when you watch the show. It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yes. Yeah. Uploads. Okay. That was interesting. I like it. Yeah, I, I I actually think we talked about it uh, a couple of podcasts. Ago. Yeah, I remember. I, I still didn't watch it though since then, but I'll watch it now. And now, now you you have to watch it. We we're gonna <laughs> we should start a not a book club, but like a, a show club. <laughs> we'll, we'll mention one show that we're collectively watching and we'll talk shit about I it. told you guys to watch Good Place bro to be honest I forgot and every time you mention it I think I register yeah you know what I should watch Good Place and then boom it, 
just <laughs> leave my yeah who has time for tv man but uh yeah so that was our that was our day trading story um wait i got i, I got another story yeah. that shiroz was part of on friday so i listen oh boy i listen to shiroz like no tomorrow when it comes to stock like this man really really <laughs> knows what he's doing um at least comparative to us rami and so Rose <laughs> had told me to buy CCIV a while back. He he's also the one that told me to buy Palantir. And I know you're enjoying Palantir as well, but it was actually Shiroz. Yes, thank right. you, Shiroz. Thank you. That's been a 40% game for me so nice. far. Nice. <laughs> My pleasure. So Shiroz <laughs> told me about CCIV and been rocking with it for for you know the last uh, week or so. It's been doing really well. And then I see Shiroz, I'm I'm in the middle of the work, but I see Shiroz's message come in saying Hey, I put a sell order for thirty six fifty. About twenty shares, and I know Shiroz has more shares than me. But I'm like, you know what? Let's just swing trade on this real quick. You know, I've seen it go up and down the entire week. Whatever, let's do it. They haven't announced Lucid, and for those of you that don't know, CCIV is just going up because there's an EV car company called Lucid that's rumored to merge with CCIV, um, and hence the speculation of those causing. So, by the rumor, you're saying? Well, yeah, yeah. and. Yeah. And so they've been saying for the past, like, I think they keep delaying it for the past three weeks. Well, this Monday, this Monday, this Monday. So now I, I, I see that message. I'm like, you know what? I'll put up a order. It was around 33, 34. What are the chances? It, it had hit 35, but it would go down. So I'm like, if it does hit 36 and a half, it's worth selling anyways, because it'll go down. Mm-hmm. Now I finished all my meetings and <laughs> I see... Um, an email come in an hour ago saying CCIV has been sold. So I'm excited. I'm like, yo, let's go back in and buy some more. <laughs> and that piece <laughs> of shit, it reached 39. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, yo, what's going on here? I messaged the Shiroz and the guys in the group saying, look, man, I, I ended up selling CCIV at 36 and I'm pissed off. I missed out on like 40, 40, 50 bucks. Shores is like, look, bro, I saw, <laughs> I canceled my order. <laughs> like, you piece of shit. Why did you not why did you announce that as well? So, and so I, I tell myself, look, you know what, whatever, it'll dip. I'll buy it back to dip again. No big deal. But that piece of shit ends up, it just keeps rising. So I think it was at 38, then it goes to 39, goes to 40, goes to 41, nearly. It peaked at 41, I think. Yeah, it was like 40 to 1.4, 41.42. And all I'm thinking is, God, man, if it if if they announce Lucid over the weekend or on Monday morning, I will literally take this microphone and just throw it against the wall. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what are the chances? I never sell two. I never sell. I hold all the time. So, <laughs> so I did I, I did end up selling after hours. When it reached 41, I sold. How do you get after shares. hours? Uh, interactive brokers, man. Oh, IB. Okay, my favorite uh, brokerage. Yeah. Even after their controversy with GameStop, it's still nice. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, like the of... only. Go ahead. It's the only other low commission um, broker you have in this country. Yeah. Ah, in Canada. Mm. Is that where you do futures, Nolan? You buy futures or whatever it's called through like brokers, brokerages? Uh, or the whole yeah. Different process? Yeah, I do it through an American brokerage, though. It's not um, not a Canadian one. Um, but... No. But uh, if I wanted to do it in dollars, I'd have to prop. Man, Canada's so limited. I'd have to do it through IB. Um, oh, okay, got you. you oh, like, man. Yeah, because IB has futures too. Um, and mm. 
if I wanted to, yeah, I'd have to do it through them. But um, yeah, I just go through an American brokerage right now. Okay, I got you guys. Bro, do you guys ever feel this? Um, you know when you when you haven't ate well the entire day, you've eaten shit and garbage food, and then you start feeling like garbage. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's who doesn't, bro? You are what you like, eat, man. Oh, bro, yeah. like literally today, I feel like oh, I sh- I need to go hit the gym right away. Like, bro, I made national hot feeling. chicken. You know how saw, disgust- you know how bad that is for you. It's like double breaded. You then you make this super spicy, gives you instant hemorrhoids type of sauce, <laughs> up, and then you put it on a bun that has no fiber or any nutritional values, just basically a sponge, and it all with pickles. And honestly, it was, it was amazing at the time, but the crash is like I'm so scared. My toilet, I honestly rest in peace. Like it's gonna be bad. Bro, I, I, <laughs> I Rami instantly reminded me of um, Vancouver. Um, I'll have to ask Rami's permission afterwards whether we can discuss that story but um speaking of uh this fried chicken look bro it may not be good for you but it's good for your soul whereas junk food is not necessarily even good for your soul so at least you had fried chicken you know i had i freaking i don't know why i had potato chips and i haven't had potato chips oh man so long but they're the worst thing in the world i never realized (laughs) how shit they make you feel at least or maybe like Maybe age is hitting me hard because I can't do, I don't know about you guys. I mean, Shiro's and Nolan, you guys are still young. So it might just be the three of us, but I can't eat. Like, I know back in the day, just go out with friends late at night, just have another burger. No way in hell. If I do that, good luck. I mean, you need thumbs on. I'm not, I won't say necessarily heartburn, but it just doesn't sit right. It's It's, uneasy. I know. It's it's like, it's like that. (laughs) What was that commercial? Yeah, money ain't tight, but it ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> what was that commercial? DeVry College, I think that was it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bro, Wait, that, is that the one where they guilt trip you from sitting on your couch? Like, why is that? There, C- that's CDI College or something, man. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Bro, that guy, that guy really got on my nerves. He's just chilling like, there. Man. You've done nothing for hours watching. TV. Bro, he was the Gary V before Gary V. <laughs> Who's Gary V, bro? You guys don't know Gary V? No, man. He's like an influencer. Like he's like one of those guys who like says very ambiguous quotes, but like has such a great following. <laughs> oh no, I don't know who that guy is. I I I, I do follow um, what's his name? Oh, now I'm I'm blanking so hard. The runner. Casey? No, no, no. The runner. Hussein uh, Bolt. You know, <laughs> he, uh, oh, he's been on Joe Rogan so many times. He runs like. Oh, oh I know. Uh, uh, David Hoggins or some crap like that. The, uh, Goggins, David Goggins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that guy, that guy is insane. I, I don't know. I honestly think because he was pretty thick and healthy before, you know, he was a he had mm. a very thick kind of like um Build. stature. And I I honestly think something something hit him in the head or a paris something happened to his his like brain wiring. That it just you know you know how some people wake up and they just have a different accent for no reason or they speak <laughs> like Chinese all of a sudden and they've never learned Chinese on their life. I think that's what happened to him, but it wasn't language. It's just like man just became like uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe him. When pe- when I tell people about him, how do you describe Dave- David Goggins? 
I don't know, man. When you wake up and you run a marathon a day just for fun, that's just wild. Bro, his the last post that I saw, um, which was I think two days ago, he's doing this challenge where run forty kilometers every forty hours. <laughs> like, what? Wow! <laughs> what? What on earth is that even? How? And then he posts pictures of his disgusting toes. Oh yeah, yeah his feet are ruined. But the thing is, how do you do that if you have a job? You can't. Well, I mean, that is his job. Like, um, this is why I think actors and trainers, like people that have a living, they make a living based on staying healthy. They have it the best. I think travel vloggers have it the best. Yeah, travel vloggers for sure. Oh, I I would love. Although I'm not sure if they enjoy their trips as much because imagine that in the trip, you're not just thinking about what's going to be good for you. It's like, what's going to look good on camera? How do we make sure we capture this, right? Like, I'm sure it's kind the of The angles, positioning, yeah. what to say, pre-planning everything. It's probably very exhausting. Let's, not, let's be honest there. But uh, it's a dream, man. It's a dream. Oh, um, just uh, um, to spark some controversy here. And so we can get Mo in on this. Mo, your country just acquitted <laughs> your ex-president. Yeah, I know, eh? That was a, what was it? A blessed news? Uh, to me, yeah, I would say it was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually follow the the trial itself, but then uh, Washington Post had a pretty lengthy thing on the on the number of days and each each day evidences that were presented. But did you guys know that? And this is what boggled my mind. Um, Part of the reason why he was acquitted, he was acquitted, is because some of the evidence that were that was presented was doctored. Okay. What on how is that even acceptable? And when I say doctored, I, I forget all the other things that could have been doctored. Of all things, they doctored a tweet that wasn't even by Donald Trump. They changed the date on it, so it should have. Red 2020, but they changed it 2021, and then they added a blue ticker. I highly encourage everyone to watch um, the lawyer of Donald Trump. Yes, yes, yes. And, that link. I actually watched it. On- oh yeah, I think I think you might have sent the link too. I saw that last night, and it was just completely. Is it YouTube or Netflix or what? YouTube. It was on YouTube. He he was on. He had an interview with a CBS news news reporter. News. Um, in quotation. Oh, was it Michael Van Der Veen? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he totally just, like, he went off. Like, oh, damn, man. this is so messed up, man. It's so childish. Forget all the... Ch- I mean, look, when it comes to politics, I think it's now... You have to ex- accept the fact that a lot of emotions will run high and childish behaviors will come out. What's absurd to me is the fact that a tweet was doctored doctor photoshop <laughs> photoshopped oh my god and it was presented as, as evidence and yet who was talking about it had it been the other way around imagine the the news trump's lawyer trump's defense fakes evidence that but is, i don't understand the why would they doctor a tweet it's such an easily traceable thing no, I, at this point there's no consequences if they do it right like, like, look, it. they, like they did Mary. it and nothing happened. Yeah, <laughs> it, true, it true, wasn't true, even true, reported, true. right? <laughs> That's so freaking wild. Yo, I feel bad for the news because honestly, their numbers are going to drop Biden. Unless Biden drops, their numbers are going to drop. Because there's no, 
Like, what are they going to talk about now? That's what I mean. There's nothing. You got to promote yeah. something. got to talk about something, right? You're right, though. I just realized, yeah, there's no consequence. I never even thought of that. Well, they better focus on work. Like, get back to work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, like, coronavirus story. I, like, how long did you keep running with that? Trump was such a great, you know, every time he'd tweet, you'd have new content. Now, there's not. he's not even on Twitter. Bro, I actually go on Twitter less now because, like, <laughs> like I don't see his tweets in the morning. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm curious as to like now. I'm eagerly waiting on on something from Trump, like a social media network or something. Or, or yeah, I mean, he his his Instagram account still up, but maybe that's not a correct medium for him to speak up. No, um, but um. Yeah, definitely. The world seems way more quiet. And I don't know if you guys know, but there's a lot more activity happening in the Middle East now. There's, yep. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. There's, and no one's talking about it. But now all of a sudden there's problems in Syria. There's all of a sudden yeah. problems in Iraq. So I don't know how much more in face, in your face kind of shit has to go down before people accept the fact that as horrible as Trump may have been, as as good as Obama and and um, Biden and Kamala Harris, they all must might sound. The reality is that they've all been involved in unnecessary war overseas, specifically. Well, not Kamala Harris, but she's part of this administration, so um, by association, yes. The Middle East was quiet. I'm not saying there weren't activities happening, but there wasn't any significant American involvement happening newsworthy at least and now all of a sudden syria american soldiers movement in syria american soldier movement in iraq and i'm pretty sure soon we're gonna start seeing justification behind why we need to drone strike the shit out of these people and yep. people will just take it as it is like they'll i i honestly think that they now have a consequence free like like nolan said but they have a consequence free reign now I'm surprised. Why aren't social justice warriors going against these types of headlines? You know, they want something to be mad at. It's not like, here you go. It doesn't have to be Trump. Here's a new thing. Dude, it feels like I'm living under the rock because I have no idea what I should just talk about. <laughs> Honestly, I'm oh, so out of everything. Oh, no, nah, man, know. I don't know. No, I don't know. Interesting. Okay, so. Um, See, that's a, that's a huge problem with the media right now. Yeah. Big example. Absolutely, and that's weird because you live in the states, and you—I would imagine like that would be, you know, um, a thing that you guys would know. But um, essentially, the 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 week that I think he was inaugurated, um, now I can't remember the specifics of what happened, but something happened in Syria which 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 caused, or this news—the news itself was something happened, like a bomb blast or some activity, and therefore the U.S. troops needed to. Um, be transported and they left barracks um, or some movement of U.S. troops in northern Syria. And last week, or it could have been earlier this week, um, there was some news that I came across um, talking about um, U.S. activities in Iraq. Now, I can't remember the specifics. Um, you know what, I'm going to have to pull up the specifics uh, of exactly what went down. But the point is that there are significant amount of activities 
happening in um, the Middle East now. Activities that perhaps may or may not have been happening, but to my knowledge, weren't happening during Trump's administration. In well, fact, Trump also reduced reduced the number of troops in Afghanistan to its like lowest levels since like uh, two thousand one. No, he wanted to he wanted to fully remove them. Yeah, yeah, that's what he wanted. Yeah, then that's definitely not happening now. Clearly, but the significant thing wasn't even pulling out troops of, of out of Afghanistan. It was the fact that America signed signed a peace deal with the Taliban. And that was significant news. You know, people that are aware of the regional situation there, only they are aware of how big that was and how how much it was needed. People in the West don't realize it, but it was needed. It is, it is an understatement um, to suggest that oh, it was just oh a thing that's happened. It, it was probably one of the best things that that the Trump's uh, foreign administration had done. Yeah, so uh, again, I'm not well versed in all this all this jazz, but it is strange that the uh, I do find it strange that there's like no news. Honestly, like I used to know what Trump woke up, what time he woke up, what he ate for breakfast, when he took a <laughs> shit, and I don't know anything about Biden. Maybe I'm just not following, but do you guys feel like similar thing? Like you like you just don't know what the president is doing anymore. He's not really like um, authentic not really in, the in, sense. In, in your face. Yeah. It's more like he lets his communications people talk for him. Mm, um, it's very, evil. very on script. Like there's no going off the script. Like it's whatever is like on the teleprompter. He'll just read it. Um, yeah, it's it's just a completely opposite way of like um, communicating with the public, I guess. That. Yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, Felix, like he's you know, an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange because i mean look you have like he's not polarizing you know again again it was it seemed like another vote against trump not a vote for biden if that makes sense oh 100 i mean that that's that that was the whole election right most of the people like most of these um progressive groups and stuff they they don't necessarily support joe biden like this is where the trouble is going to happen because um, Mm. he's, he's a pretty centrist like his career, he was a pretty in the middle type of guy. Um, he was never for all these kind of um, socially progressive uh, ideas. Yeah, socially progressive uh, ideals, and now he has to kind of cater to that base because they're his voting base <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting to see like how far he he kind of goes to like keep them happy and um. How he kind of walks that tightrope, right? It was a lot like how like Trump had to like kind of walk a little bit of a tightrope with like the GOP and like the mm. Bush types and like those types, right? The the Warhawk types and and um, in the first couple of years, he he really was trying to walk that tightrope, right? He was you know throwing a bone to those type of people, and in the last two years, I think he just went like full trump type of thing yeah yeah that's yeah. what that's what got them like really pissed and like that's what got the few of them to vote for impeachment all that kind of stuff right so it just it's just strange it's a strange i mean it just seems like business as usual again in a sense like america's back to like you know 
they they had their party and now it's business as usual. I wonder if COVID did not happen, if Trump would be in power again. Uh, I would say a hundred and ten percent, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I mean, I honestly like just think about it. Um, like January of twenty twenty, I mean, America was like literally had the best economic numbers it had in oh yeah, decades, like decades and decades and decades. Highest jobs numbers, lowest unemployment rates. It lowest was great. unemployment rate, lowest unemployment rate for like all the different minority groups, like. Um, wages rising for the first time in God knows how long. Um, That's wild, though. But if people were experiencing this increase in day-to-day bliss, like, why was he not voted in power, if that makes sense? Well, well, you mentioned it, right? There was a whole, <laughs> there was a whole pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> and then, like, you know, like, half the workforce stopped working. And, like, that's an over-exaggeration. Yeah, but, cool, but, you know, you also remember the media. That plays a huge role. How it brainwashes people. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. He was he was fighting a media for for four years. I mean, even before he became president, he was fighting a media. But um, it, it got ugly, right? Mm-hmm. It's still ugly. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's still. <laughs> it's so wild because you know, like uh, when we say media, are we talking about like obviously you have CNN, and CNBCs, and all, but really, I don't even do any of you guys consume those outlets like directly, like you go to CNN.com or whatever, or you guys just consume it through Twitter and through you know whatever social media. For me, it's only Twitter, and it's from like a financial like point of view. Yeah, so I like get my yeah, same. Yeah, I get my news exactly like from a financial. That's where I try to get the facts from. But um, mm. when when I'm in an entertainment type of mood, I'll put on. Um, <laughs> No, I, li- I literally watch those like those cable news things for entertainment. Like I because <laughs> I look at it not from like they're informing me, but like just how funny they're like into the, the script. Right. It's like, yeah. 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 They, they have like to how far they take and... it. And, like if you watch like, the news in the last week, you're like, holy shit. What did I miss on January 6th? Like it's like <laughs> was the world ending on January 6th? It's like, oh, and we were all going to die. Oh. Yeah, why did they admit? I, I guess, I mean, I say why, but it makes sense. If the news was, you know, boring, then, you know, I guess their numbers would suck. So they yeah. have to make it do doom and gloom or highly romanticized. And I, they I, do, that's just how they do. Sell, but it, you know? it gets to such a point where it's so, it's so disingenuous. Yeah. yeah. So you, is there no objective news source? Like, isn't that a big market? It's not well. No, it's not because we're so tribal now. Like, um, people are are like they they just consume what they right what's catered to them. Most people yeah. do it, right? Um, I, I, I guess the only way is you have to listen to both ridiculously ultra highly edited sides, and then find a spot in the middle and be like, okay, the truth is somewhere here. Either Donald Trump is a reptile, or you know Donald Trump is the second coming of Jesus. You know, that, is, that is actually very true because, uh, like back in the days, like a few months ago, so I would go to CNN, I was like read CNN, and then I would go to Fox News, I would read Fox News, and then I would like meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it just sucks that that's the only way to get truth. I'm yeah. surprised there's no website that takes both stories and just puts it in your phrase. It just has one side of the page in red. One side of the page in blue, whatever the story is, it just has both sides points, and then you just draw your own conclusion. That would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it'd be a hard project, you know. But yeah, I mean that that is what it is with uh, I guess with this whole Biden. Do you guys think Biden is gonna last all four years? Um, 
probably. I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't. Well, his age. How old is he now? Well, yeah, I got, got one thing besides that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think, yeah, he like, he will, um, but it won't be pretty. Mm. It, it, so do you, then do you think at the end of the four years you guys predict it'll be another if not trump another establishment breaker type of character for sure it has to be i i don't see how how um how the republican party can go back to like the mitt romneys of the world i just don't see it it's not there there's that's no, a fair uh, point there's no base for it at all right? so do you think Plus that you have, server... oh, sorry go ahead uh plus you have like a new generation that's going to be older in the next four years, and they're gonna oh, have true. their own opinions about this. Yeah, round, so. it's gonna be more of a younger vote, I feel like. Yeah, so so I wonder if like the Republican Party is is really gonna be the establishment breaking part. Like they're they're gonna have to position themselves as anti-establishment moving forward. You know, these next four years will be really really critical to that process because um, this is a point where now the people who've kind of weathered Trump in that party. I've seen him like, okay, he stepped away. This is where we reclaim <laughs> our power, right? This is where we yeah. kind of... Impeachment was a, a really like great example of it. Like, see the, the Republicans who voted um, in favor of impeaching him, right? That was wild. All in that same type of mold, right? The, um, kind of um, moderate Republicans, but like, um, they're more in a, you know, like the Warhawk types type... Uh, Got you, yeah, yeah. And... Um, you know, they really want to reclaim the party. Um, and this is where, like, primaries and um, who who you nominate to be your candidates for Senate and for Congress and for even local elections, this is where it really matters in this time frame because you're essentially determining whether the party um, shifts to what it was after, like, 2016 or goes... Um, what it was before 2012 and, god yeah um, i i from a personal perspective i think it's um um adapt or, or die right I, I i don't see a future for the republican party if they go back to uh, a pre-2012 party at all and i'm sure you've noticed how like out of touch they are with like um modern technology especially when it comes to like you know like big tech companies and the stuff oh, that they're yeah. they're pulling to like normal people, they're so out of touch. They don't even understand how it works, <laughs> and yet they they have hearings in Congress about like who's bad, who's good, and etc. Yeah, know, we, need, it, we need to have we need to elect more technologically, I guess, relevant people now. There were some great, um, there were some low low key figure people in the Trump administration that were were quite in touch like i don't know if you guys heard of like rick grinnell um no yeah like they're they're kind of yeah they were kind of low-key guys they 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 held uh, administration posts but uh they were in touch with like the whole uh big tech thing i think that's a huge that's a huge part of it right now right in terms of um i think we talked about this a few podcasts ago with the censorship and all that kind of yeah, stuff. yeah yeah and um so, yeah, it's it's just yeah. This is the critical moment where you decide which which way you want to move. And, now, my question is this: because I really don't, uh, I'm not going to pretend to understand how all this. Like you were mentioning local seats and all that stuff, I still barely understand that stuff. But if I recall correctly, 
during the 2016 election, if, or even before it, while it was running up, weren't both parties kind of playing anti-establishment? And what I mean is, my memory of that, my memory was, it was Trump versus, uh, what's that guy's name? Bernie Sanders. Sanders. So it was Trump versus Sanders, Trump versus, like my, that's just how my brain was looking at it. So both guys were anti-establishment for different reasons. And then all finally, when it came to the, you know, basically the, the, the zenith of this whole thing, they're like, oh, Sanders, okay, just move Sanders away and replace it with a woman named Hillary. And then the whole thing changed. That was yeah. the whole super PAC thing. The super that was PAC. it, man. Yeah. That You, you described ridiculous. it perfectly. That That's exactly what happened. And then the, the populist candidate won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of uh, Bernie Sanders supporters ended up voting for Trump. Yeah. That because they're anti-establishment, you know? Absolutely. Well, they had the short end of the stick for, you know, the last 30 years, so... Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, 2012, when's the next election? 2024? Yeah, 2020. So that, I, I'm assuming, yeah, I guess it's going to have to be anti-establishment versus anti-establishment. I think business as usual is, is dying. It only works here in Canada so far. Uh, I didn't even know that we had to, we did not have term limits. I don't know when we spoke about it, but I learned that we don't have term limits. Um, so I guess, you know, here in Canada, we haven't had an anti-establishment guy. Not that I can remember, did we? That's, that's the issue with it. You don't have choice in Canada. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. <so> boring. <laughs> We, we have, just picked yeah, a good-looking guy. Well, we have you. You have, place. yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Mo. No, it was uh, sure. I think we're gonna oh, say something. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I was just gonna say. I think we have the illusion of choice. We have, you know, three now three major parties, um, and really, what choices do we really have between, or honestly, between idiots? Yeah. Well, Trudeau is just a business as usual guy from what it looks like, you know. Like I, I again, I, just, I don't Trudeau's feel more dangerous in my, in my day to day. My opinion, Trudeau is more dangerous. So you want Jack Mead, huh? I knew no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not suggesting that there are better options than Trudeau, but the reason why I think Trudeau might be more dangerous is because, look, he has support because he he plays his role really well. He has great PR team. He has a great PR. He says they're all the right things, and it doesn't even matter what he does. It's what he says. It's like it's all about talk and really not about actions. And some of the actions that 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 he takes or his administration, the Liberal Party takes, is is arguably dangerous. So, um, what's the who's the uh, who was the conservative guy that got just got fired? earlier this week, Pierre. Uh, Eric Sloan? No, 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 no. He was the... Uh, I know who you were talking about. I can't remember his uh, name. Uh, Pierre, I think Pierre... Some... Paul Lievre? Yes. Uh, is that him? That's, uh, yeah, I got, he's the one. The finance, Wait, he got fired? Yeah. The Conservative Party fired him as the, the finance... Uh... Oh, get out of here. Dude, that was like the only guy I would have like voted for in the Conservative Party. Exactly. He... <laughs> Um, he's, he was really well-spoken, very eloquent, articulate, and he spoke about things that people really weren't highlighting, which was principles. Yeah, exactly. And how, how terrible the Canadian economy really is. Right. He, he spoke, he, he was also part of, I don't know if you guys saw that video of, of, uh, Trudeau being, um, um, uh, what was it interviewed or no it wasn't interviewed. it was being questioned, questioned. Much, yeah it was like a 
it wasn't the ethics committee. It was just basically uh, just foul play with the, the whole Wii scandal. Oh, and, I remember this, yeah. And so he, <laughs> for those that <laughs> haven't watched it, um, he was one of the MPs that were that was questioning Trudeau, but he caught Trudeau off guard. He he had some hard line questions that Trudeau wasn't able to answer, and then conveniently the chair of that committee, it was all a virtual thing because it was during Corona and um, the chair just disconnects. And as Pierre is still cross questioning Trudeau, they say, oh, um, we've lost the chair. So maybe we, we, we should do this at a later time. And Pierre- Wow, no way. <laughs> yeah, and then Pierre fires back. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if his name is actually Pierre. What was his name again, Nolan? Uh, yeah, Pierre Polyevra. Pierre, okay, so yeah. Pierre, um, says look um the if the if the if the chair is unavailable then the the chair the chair goes to the vice chair oh who's the vice chair <laughs> i'm the vice chair i give <laughs> i give speaking the 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 chair to or the speaking to a member of parliament carlton he's member of member of parliament carlton and then he's he continues the questioning and then within like 20 seconds or so, the chair comes back and says, oh, sorry, I, I, there was a power outage. I just thought it was <laughs> convenient that there's a power outage. And then somehow after power outage, within 20 seconds, the guy had his laptop and Wi-Fi back up and running. Um, but that's really how I saw, that's how it first was uh, introduced to him. He, he had some very fundamental questions that Trudeau could not answer, or even his minister could not answer during the the hearings and uh for, for for those that don't know it's a really i think he even has uh social media like instagram and he posts some videos of him talking as well i highly recommend all canadians to go and hear him out and it's just it's just absurd that the conservative party actually fired him from his post i saw him on uh, six plus originally and i liked him since then <laughs> well six plus is actually yeah that's a joke you know, you know, but the thing about Canadian politics is Canadians don't care. Like, like no, I, and just I take honestly, it. Just take it. nobody gives a crap about Canadian politics. Canadians care about American politics. And For that's sure. why Trudeau is just like a perfect... So Trudeau is a popular... I don't know if populist is the right word, but, you know, you said it yourself. He says the right things. He, ming he mingles with the right groups. He kind of, you know, he stays on everyone's good side. He's just that guy in school who's not part of any group. But everyone likes him. Hey, it's that guy. You know I mean? <laughs> and Canada is kind of like that. Canada's just this, like, uh, like this, you know, he, we're like the appendix of North America. Like, we don't do anything, and we don't cause problems, and, you know, you, that's really what it is. That's what, at least what it feels like. I'm sure we have influence, whatever, but it just feels like Trudeau's the perfect politician for us, you know? Good-looking representation for the country, you know, daps the queen, daps Trudeau, daps whoever the hell he needs to dap, and there's no problems, and Canadians don't give a shit, and it's just, you know, business as usual. I think this is all a huge, everything you said was right, but this is all like a lot of the blame lies with the actual conservative party. They've not, mm. in, in this past five years, they have not had one single person who could possibly be an alternative Absolutely. or even raised issues. I, that, I think yeah, and raise it in a way that people care about. Like Exactly. To, people raise issues, but nobody gives a shit. You need to make them give a shit. You need to make them feel it. Like, there's nothing. I hear nothing from them. And the opposition, yeah. opposition has been weak in the last five years. Absolutely weak. 
And I think the only conservative uh, that had a chance to run against Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh was Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown oh, yeah, he got could have had a amazing career, relatively young. So he's in the same age group as the rest. Um, he was conservative, but still um, very And he was funny. good looking. Very good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that actually matters, I'm telling you, bro. No, it, 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 you're 100% right. Being good looking in politics does make a difference. It just adds now up. it does. Like when we had John Chrétien, obviously we didn't give a shit. But now, personality. <laughs> like say what you will, but the man had a personality, and he was known to just fire away when he needed to. I mean, um, if you go to uh, even if you go to um, the parliament in parliament, when you get the tour done, there's they, they have paintings done of each. Oh yes, but the one that's the most like out there is Jean Christian. He has just a yellow backdrop. I love that painting, yo. That was sick. Yeah, you every everyone go look up right now his his, his portrait um in parliament. That is sick. Like you can you know he was PWA bro politicians with attitude. The way he took that picture or painting or whatever, it was honestly uh yeah it was pretty G. But no I just think that Trudeau look unless we have somebody that actually brings issues up that all of us actually give a shit about then we're gonna go to i don't i've never voted in a canadian election ever well obviously not an american one but i've never cared to vote which is weird i just never felt the issues hit me you know okay well that's a good uh thing uh not not voting not voting i don't i'm not talking about that but just that topic in, in itself is actually quite interesting so i don't know if you guys um what you got? What your opinion is on this whole? Uh, everyone must vote, 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 vote. And I think it it comes from a very good place. But um, I have heard arguments, and I think it, it goes all the way back to uh, Plato's book about Socrates. And Socrates, one of his one of his grievances with Athenian democracy was a voter should be informed. Right. And, and one of the potential criterias of voting should be someone that's informed. And I think he has like this story about how if, you know, if you had if you had gone on a voyage on a, on a ship and you know, a captain suddenly dies and you have to you have to basically figure out who the captain will be, who the captain should be. Would we just allow everyone to just kind of pick or would it make sense for people that know about sailing, about know, know about all that? Should they be the ones that are well-informed about um, navigation and, and sailorship? Should they be the ones that vote on decide on, on who the captain should be? And I think that's one of like many, multiple kind of stories uh, that, that are in Plato's book. Yeah, like in short, it's like not all votes are equal. That's kind of the argument. Well, that, that's a dangerous thing because I also understand the other side of the argument. Well, well, how, where do you stop? Like, you know, how, how, so I guess my question to you guys is, should there be a criteria when it comes to voting, any sort of criteria beyond just being a citizen and legal age or how we do it is good enough? Should everyone just vote whether or not they're informed or not? I'll let you guys answer first. Not all at once, guys. Not all at once, guys. Come on. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a mind-boggling thing, but just... Yeah. It is. I'm just thinking about it. 
I don't think it's mind-boggling, bro. Look, it's it's to me, it's not as mind-boggling. But the thing is, the argument, you know, the other side of the argument is somewhat compelling. And, and this is again another one of those things where it touches on emotions. So you can't really your logic does not necessarily trump emotion all the time. Okay, but look, put it this way: if I want to even think of the most rudimentary job in the world like the most basic job like I, I can't think of even working for dm let's talk about dm where you all you need to do is have two hands and two feet and show up on time and we'll provide you work but it's still not that simple you have to go through an assessment right if you want to work at mcdonald's you have to go through an interview process and a training process whatever the case may be if you're gonna vote i think it's only fair that you're assessed on how informed you are i'm not saying you have to know everything about all the topics but like before you put pen to paper, are you just voting because you like the word liberal and you don't like the word conservative? Or do you know what the hell you're talking about? I think there should be a very basic, I'm not like, it should be basic enough that most people should be able to, to kind of answer it. But what it will tell people is that, hey, this voter kind of is well-informed on the issues. And even if you don't, let's say that that's wrong, then what they could do is everyone does the test, everyone's vote is valid, but maybe there's a weighting of your vote. So meaning somebody who gets a 90% on that assessment you know, their vote has like a, a higher weighted average, um, kind of like how you people, uh, what is that thing called in America, the electoral college? I know it's completely different, but you know how like there's a weighing of the states. There should be a weighing of the votes in a way where you're based on your assessment, uh, your vote could be weighed differently. So somebody who's well informed on all the issues and is therefore making a decision based on their knowledge, you know, they win. Now, the downside of that is the risk of who the hell is writing that assessment? Is it a bipartisan assessment? Is it something that's been rigged? That, you know, that's kind of where that's where even IQ tests have the same problem. Right. So the, the problem Rami, with that is that um, you're going to have I don't know if it'll meet any of like in terms of like it, it makes total sense, but you'll have disparities between like educated and not so educated people. Correct. And, and it would be seen as discrimination. Right. It would be seen as like, oh, you're discriminating against, I don't know, newer Canadians who don't know all the issues you're discriminating against. Um yeah, just like they did with the IQ test. Same thing. They're like, this is discriminating because the test is written by white men and then like, you know, right. it doesn't really factor into it. Right, you know? that's exactly what's going to happen, right? The, the, whether it's right or wrong, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I, I don't know if that'll ever like... Um... And, and and to be fair, there is some merit to that argument, right? Yeah. Um, not just that. It There is no doubt that, you know, <clears throat> usually the, the, um, the, the people that that tend to be at a disadvantage when it comes to education or opportunity tend to be the bottom of the uh, society's like hierarchy. And more often than not, they happen to be uh, in America. A lot of them happen to be from African-American communities or minority communities. So they're- But they could do like a MVP, like a minimum viable product. Maybe <laughs> the first year, for the first year, they do the assessment, has nothing to do with anything. It's just data collection. And then they release a report. So by the way, after this election, just want to let everyone know, most people had no idea that like, you know, out of 75% of voters, you know, or sorry, 75% of voters had no idea that this was part of the liberal, um, whatever the word is for their like, uh, what is it called? Like their goals or what is, what is, it, what is the term that people use? Platform? Is that what they call it? I forget yeah. what they call the promises or platform. There. Whatever. They promise like, just yeah. at least the public's now aware. So after that first election cycle, like, oh, damn. So we just voted, but 75% of people had no idea about A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay, that's just interesting. Maybe from there, it kind of evolved. Yeah, so two, two things to that. 
first of all, people and people that are in power will never want to they, they they will never want to change the system because they came to power through that system, which is why right. one of the biggest promises that Trudeau failed on in his last term was one of that. There was election reform, and he just kind of threw that. And a lot of people voted for Trudeau initially for that specific thing. So that's number one. <clears throat> and then um, I've just completely blanked on what. We Wait, there's, are there no consequences? That's another thing. How come if at your job, if you get hired and you say, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, E, and at the end, when you're getting your, your rate, if you're going for a raise or for a performance review, they say, hey, at the beginning of the quarter, you said you were going to do this. You didn't do it, and you have to kind of give a reason. Why don't they do that with, like, these parties? No, they, I, I agree. I, I think the way the government works and they perform should be scrutinized even more, not just to the media. But, like, for example, my biggest problem now is how the hell are we one year into corona? And we're still talking about lockdowns, and part of the reason is it's absurd. Yeah, and it and and you know what? It's what what really angers me is when I hear the argument of the hospitals are at capacity. Ah, uh, bro. Oh number one, man, number Asher, one. this could be a whole this could be a whole show on itself, man. This, this absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, and we probably do a detail. You know what? Next. Next, next podcast, I'll actually bring the numbers that I've actually looked Yo, at. Can you get Florida's numbers for me, please, when you when we do that one? Because Florida's yeah. a great example where they said, fuck this, and I swear they're fine. And they're better than New York and California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the hell, man? And the same goes with Sweden. Yep. Same flavors as these Scandinavian countries. Sweden, definitely. Yeah. But the... Um, I, I, you know what? You know what? We should probably do a dedicated thing to this podcast. Just to the last point that Rami made, um, I think I heard this on Joe Rogan's podcast with one of his uh, um, guests, or I read it somewhere, I don't know. But generally, most people vote uh, for the party based on only one issue alone. So the idea is that perhaps unemployment in the energy sector is what is most important to you. And the, the, the party, the candidate that, that um, kind of supports your viewpoint on that, irregardless of everything else that they may do, you may still vote for them because that is what's important to you. Because you have to remember, most people in their day-to-day, they don't really care about these, like, like a hundred different agendas that, that the party may have. Of course, yeah, exactly. Like, Liberal Party is, is a great example. Why do most, why do most immigrants vote for Liberals? When realistically, most um, immigrants that are religious by just just by the, the their um, their belief system, just by the, the by by how they are in actual life, they should really be siding with conservatives. Like it's it's such a oxymoron when I see it amongst the Muslim community. Most of them, by practice, yeah. are conservative. You can sit with them, you talk to them. At least socially, they're not socially progressive whatsoever. Absolutely not. Yet they, they they still vote for the Liberal Party. Yeah, because they view. Remember, Canadians. At least I, I can tell you this just from experience. A lot of Canadians they see liberals and conservatives the same way they see American Republicans and uh, Democrats. And what I mean by that is like 
they see conservatives as oh they are anti Middle East. You know what I mean? The same way they're basing that up what they see in America. They they don't actually look into like this is what the Canadian parties are looking at. It's like oh the reason I vote for this guy they they love Israel. I don't like Israel, so <laughs> we vote to this one. Okay, the red one. Yeah, <laughs> bro. Very sure. Bro, this but um, um, to know you're right about the one issue thing. Yeah, I, I I can't remember where I came across that, but I'm pretty sure that's like. But see, this isn't that an opportunity though. I'll give you an example. Here's a big one: climate change. Why did both? Why does it have to be this polarizing thing where it's like one group is like we're anti it, one group is like we're pro it, and now you've just got this whole base that's like fuck. I'm voting on one issue. That I have to go with this party. Forget everything else. Climate change is a big deal. Wouldn't the other party be smart and be like, damn, there's this huge base, and they just. All they want us to hear us say is we're going to put windmills and we're going to, you know, invest in EV. Why don't they just say that and get that base? I think because they, they, there's two reasons. One is they do have a base on the opposite end of the spectrum. And the second is a lot of people generally do, um, they generally do believe in, in what they're supporting. So climate mm. change is a great example of how something that shouldn't have been politicized was politicized and now it's like this bipolar kind of thing like bipartisan completely like either you're left-wing then you support it and if you're right-wing you don't support it and there's no no one's willing to have a an actual conversation like for instance when it comes to climate change i generally do have a few questions like there, i don't think there's any harm in just whether it affects like climate change is going to destroy us or not i don't think there's any harm in us trying to move greener energy because we've seen if you've been to a third world country you know how bad pollution can be like you can go if you're in pakistan and you go to northern areas and then all of a sudden you come back to rawalpindi all of a sudden you see the difference of how thick smog makes uh breathing difficult that said you know it's been politicized to a point where you really can't even talk about the issue itself okay well if climate change is happening and all these scientists are saying it, but what about all these other scientists that may not be saying it? Okay, well, okay, maybe there's a consensus of it, but how much of climate change um, that's happening right now is just the natural process of how the world works and how much of it is affected by human activity? We know human activity affects it. Obviously we're like eating up rainforests and we're destroying uh, the ocean definitely all that shit's happening and just those reasons are alone for us to uh improve like stop using plastic and so forth but you know corona has been gone it's, it's been happening for over a year most travel has gone to the, the lowest it's ever been and god knows how long or should we have seen some sort of impact from us reduce you know carbon footprint maybe the argument is okay the carbon footprint if the, redu- the reduction carbon carbon footprint is insignificant, well, if that's the case, then why have been why have we been pushing this electrical vehicle crap? Why have yeah. we, why have we been t- talking about gas consumptions? Maybe it should be on production of good, right? Like these are legitimate discussions that need to be had, but unfortunately, so politicized that you can't have a sane argument because people that are heavily righted right wing. They may just because the left talks about climate change, they may just be against climate change because it's a conspiracy theory. Well, uh, Bill, like for instance, have you guys seen Bill Nye's interview with um, uh, who's that weirdo on uh, on Fox? Well, what's his name? 
Oh, Tucker Carlson. Carter, yeah. Have you guys have you guys seen his interview? I haven't. No, I haven't. Oh no. He, you guys should watch it. I mean, I grew up with Bill Nye being just like, you know, this hero. He was a gangster. Yeah, he was a gangster. But then I watched <laughs> that interview and I'm like, dude, okay, for, first of all, in my opinion, Bill Nye has just kind of fallen off the track. He's, some of the stuff he says, I don't even know, like, why, why are you politicizing yourself? But in that interview, he comes to, he comes to talk about climate change and Tucker Carlson, Carlson um, has a couple of questions. Now, they may be malicious intent or whatever, but those questions in itself were very legitimate and it stumped Bill Nye. So how can you come on air, claim to be an expert and not have the answer? Or if you didn't have the answer, at least have the balls to say, look, I actually don't know. But you know, if you say that, then the moment you say that, that guy's going to say, well, if you don't know, then why are you pushing this down our throat? And so this, when, when something that becomes so politicized, you just can't have a normal cordial argument. It's the same thing with vaccines. It's the same thing with climate change. It's, it's the same, with, same thing with anything that's um, bipartisan. And the reason why that's dangerous is you can't have, like, let's say there are, are, are uh, anti-vaxxers. Okay, how are we going to convince them that vaccine isn't going to make you impotent or make your, your, your child autistic without having a normal conversation. If, if we're gonna approach it from an attack position, which most of the conversation ha- happens through that medium where it's like, well, that guy must be a retard, that guy must be stupid, <laughs> that guy must be a conspiracy theorist. Well, you're never gonna convince that person, even for his own good, that look, the position that you hold is actually infactual. And, and that's the thing big- is, this is a human problem. This doesn't have to do, bro. Look how people argue about Android versus Apple, or people, look, you know, people who put pineapple. <laughs> Don't you on dare talk pizza. to me about an freaking iPhone. Okay? That's what I'm saying. This is just a human problem, and you know, people are just lever- leveraging it. Like, I just think that this is just the kind of funny thing that we're so advanced as humans, but then you, you know, we also you get mad when people put, like I said, pineapples on pizza. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Absolutely, absolutely. But guys, you know, I think uh, this is a good note to kind of end on. We will continue on. I think we should probably do one with, I'll, I'll bring numbers in for next time of um, this whole Corona numbers in Ontario and hospital uh, occupancy rate. Um, I want to thank you guys for taking out the time and discussing. Yeah, it was good to have everyone back again. Yeah, it was great. Let's do it again. Definitely. Uh, Rami, do you want to end it with uh, our sponsors? Yes. So again, uh, today's episode is sponsored by DM the app. Uh, so for all household services, use gift code imposter syndrome and you'll get $10 off your next service. Uh, for those Valentine's Day, uh, if you didn't get anything for your wife or husband or non-gender specific partner, uh, you can order now on the app and, uh, you know, we'll take care of you. Awesome. Cool. Thanks again, guys. And uh, have yourself a, a wonderful long weekend. Take care. Bye. Bye.